Welcome to Coach Your Brains Out, the show that explores learning from the top minds in volleyball and beyond. With your hosts, John Mayer, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, and Nils Nielsen. Today, we're thrilled to welcome back to the show the MVP of our podcast and the head coach at the University of Georgia, as well as Team Canada, the man himself, Tom Black. <laughs> Tom, thanks, thanks for joining for, us. Thanks for having me on. It's an honor to be on. We haven't had you on in a while. I think you've been our most frequent guest, but we haven't had you on since you wrote the forward for the Coach Your Brains Out book and wanted to formally thank you for writing all those nice words and just keep an eye out for the big royalty check. should be showing up any any day. Thanks for overcoming that forward and still managing to sell books. I'm extremely grateful that's been the outcome. <laughs> uh, no, the forward is, I think, the best part. <laughs> Very kind. So we wanted to get into uh, your... Uh, life right now, you've uh, you've taken on a lot. You're you know, obviously, like I said, you're coaching at Georgia, and you're uh, also the head coach at for Team Canada for the women's national team. Mm-hmm. Um, wondering what inspired you to want to take on so much, you know, to have your own program there at Georgia, but also to take on a national team at the same time. Yeah, Canada really just kind of happened out of the blue. I, I honestly didn't even know the job was open. I was just completely focused on Georgia, and <clears throat> I was out recruiting when an email popped up from. Carrie McDonald, who's the director of the integrated sports uh, science department up there. And uh, I had done a talk in British Columbia a couple years prior. So, you know, he and I met and he just told me the job was open. And as, <clears throat> excuse me, as I was reading the email, I just, it was really just a visceral response. I just got really fired up and uh, that's the biggest reason. Um, but from there, there's obviously lots of talks with, you know, my wife and my staff here at Georgia and the administration at Georgia and with all so there's obviously lots of talks and as those talks went on and I researched more, yeah, I, I just kept getting more and more fired up, but it really, it really just came down to that initial reaction and how excited I got about the opportunity for it. And, um, and luckily after, you know, months of work by a lot of people, we were able to make it work. And what was the culture of the team like when you arrived and I guess how much change did you have to start implementing? Uh, the culture. Well, I think individually, individually, the people were phenomenal. Um, you know, with the players, uh, the people that were on the support staff with our, you know, strength and conditioning, I already mentioned Kerry McDonald, you know, uh, with the athletic training, um, people available for sports psych. I think the individual people were all phenomenal. I think the culture, um, was maybe a little bit in tatters, um, just, maybe a low expectations um, with not a lot of belief that things could really get better. Um, So there was a pretty heavy lift, I think by all of us in that process for sure. Was there reason for that, that belief? Yeah, I just, you know, there's just not a lot of tradition uh, to the program. There is on the men's side, but just not on the women's. And uh, you know, there's the funding for Olympic programs in Canada is a lot different than America. Uh, You know, America, I'm kind of not kind of, I am painting with a broad brush here, but America tends to fund its Olympic sports pretty well. And, you know, relatively speaking, where Canada, it's, it's a program called own the podium and they, they go program by program on an annual basis and decide which programs they think can medal or not. And if you medal, you, if they think you can medal, you get funded pretty well. And if they don't, you get absolutely zero. So, uh, so the women are on the zero side and the men are on the funded side. So there's just, <clears throat> Low expectations, low support, not a lot of history. Um, so yeah, it was just a lot of work to do. So did you know that coming in? So then, I guess, what did you try to bring initially? 
Yeah, I knew that coming in. Like I said, I did a lot of research, um, and I, you know, I've been in, I've been in similar situations, John. You and I both have with the Brahmas. Um, so I think we've been in situations where you're not funded very well, but you're still able to do really well. And I think the mindset just has to be what what can we control, and are we getting absolutely every inch out of what we can control? And that was really kind of my mindset. So. Um, you know, we can't control the funding. We can't control uh, the resources that aren't going to be there. But <clears throat> we have these people, and we have these volleyballs, and we have this court, and we have this whiteboard. And what are we soaking up every possible inch we can of that? And until we do that stuff, let's not worry about the funding because um, you know, we got to trust that as our processes get better for the things we do control, that you know the product's going to get better, and as the product gets better, people want to fund it, and on and on. But we really had to just keep our focus on what are the things we can control, and are are we truly just squeezing everything we can out of it. And did you come in with, uh, I want to get to know these people and figure out, you know, what we're going to be about, what our culture is going to be, or did you already have a good idea coming in? Like, this is what I want to present. This is the culture we want to create. Yeah. I don't, I think <clears throat> definitely I'm not, uh, you kind of get it. When you get into like these kind of talks, you start talking above your head. You know, I think, uh, so I'm going to definitely talk above my head, but I think, uh, I think you're kind of talking about like values and philosophy and principles. And, um, I think, I think the, I think principles and values, I think they're already out there. <laughs> they're out there in the world. And, and it's our job is as we go through life to access those principles that are already out there to, to find out about them and, and to use them as best we can. And so I, I wasn't going in there thinking these, these four values are what I'm going to instill and we're going to do it. I think, you know, I think in the end it comes down to, you want to be the best you possibly can be as individuals and as a team. You want to get the best out of this experience, <clears throat> and that's going to mean different things at different times. But that's that's the goal. So I got to get to know these people, and we got to train and get better. And different principles are going to pop up along the way, and that's part of the experience. I don't, I don't know if that answers it. Yeah, what were some of the principles that popped up? Well, I mean, definitely the teaching principles for sure. You know, there's principles of transfer from motor learning. Um, you know, there's principles that come from relationships, right? You guys talk about all the time with uh, respect and <clears throat> getting to know each other and caring and how we all respond to that. And uh, there's principles as a business, you know, there's communication and transparency and how people respond to that. And I think that's one of the things I liked about the job too. There's just such a big leadership aspect to being a head coach of a national team. You, you have so much more control over the, the different elements that go into the organization and you can really make an impact. Um, <clears throat> so it's kind of hard for me to just say like what principles is as a general question, but as, a, as you dive into things, I, I can answer it a little bit more. Well, how'd you feel like just overall this idea of, you know, let's, you know, be the best we can be, be the best version of ourselves. Obviously that was different than what they had, they had been in the past. How, how was that accepted? And was there any pushback? Well, I don't think it's different. That's what I mean. I don't think there's anyone in the world who wouldn't agree with that. I think you could put any team, any group of people in the world and say, Hey, who wants to be the best version of themselves? Who wants to uh, be the best they can be individually and collectively? Who wants to get the most out of experience? I don't think really there's anyone in the world who wouldn't raise their hand to it. Um, so it's, it's, it, and that's, that's my point. I, I think it's always about that, but the, but the challenge and the interesting thing about it is, okay, what, what ingredients are going on right now or what do we need to access within to, to achieve that? So I think that's uh, the more interesting part, if that makes sense. And that's kind of where we're at. You know, I could, <clears throat> I met with all of them on day one and said, hey, who wants to make who wants to make the Olympics? And everyone raises their hand. But what it actually takes to do that. And um, that's that's a whole different deal. You know, that's that's where the rubber meets the road. And what's that discussion sound like? Like, what does it what does it take? Uh, <clears throat> I think initially it's it's kind of a 
fire up speech it you, you don't mean it to be firing up but it's just inspirational and everyone's excited and you're excited and then but like i said that it's it's more about the day 10 day 15 day 20 and as you're learning about people and learning where we're at and trying to teach you see the struggles that are actually popping up it's you know it's, it's living it versus talking about it you know it's like like it always is and, <clears throat> and it's never just one thing i mean we just had to hit it from all sides all the time and um yeah i don't feel like i'm answering your question i feel like i'm dancing around it <laughs> no you're answering it okay. uh we had uh we had jamie morrison on. i don't know i don't know if you heard that and he was talking about with with the dutch national team there was certain things and i, I guess a very different culture there versus canada yeah. the u.s the u.s but you're saying there's certain things he felt like he had to meet them halfway on I'm wondering yeah. if you you had to make compromises or you felt like you're able to be pretty firm in the principles and values that you implemented well, actually, it's funny you said a different culture like Canada and U.S. because I went in with that mentality that Canada is like United States North, and it's absolutely not. It is that was a huge mistake on my part. That was it's it's got its own culture. It's absolutely a distinct nation. If anyone in Canada listening to this is kind of shaking their head at me for even having to say it, but embarrassingly, I had to learn that There's, it's definitely a different culture, and and I had to. Uh, I'm still I'm still working on learning that, but I wish I would have had a little bit more of that mindset going in, but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, meeting people halfway. I mean, it kind of goes back to what I said. I think you have to, you have to work really hard. You have to work mindfully. Um, you have to work really well individually and you have to work well together. And those aren't really things you compromise on. So I don't think it's about meeting people halfway. It's more about, uh, Hey, I, me as the coach, this is where I think we need to go. You as a player, what are you seeing? Are there any adjustments? And do those adjustments fit in with getting the absolute most out of this day, out of this experience? Um, but I, in terms of what it takes, it's kind of hard to compromise on those things. So how's, I'm curious, how is Canada di different as uh, I think I have that same stereotype that we're pretty similar? Uh, well, I think for women's volleyball, I think, I think for various reasons, there's, there's a, uh, really, really intense competitive culture, uh, in the States. And I'm definitely not saying that doesn't exist in Canada, but I just think it's different. And, uh, I'm again, I'm painting with a super broad brush here, but I think there's <clears throat> my impression of, uh, volleyball in Canada. They, there's, there's a real tight knit community there and, uh, they do a great job of preserving relationships for the sake of the relationships. And I know we talk about that all in the States, but I think once you go to Canada, it feels a lot different. And I guess one, one of my big takeaways is um, I think we've gotten to the point where you're, you're a bad coach if you don't say uh, it's not about the outcome, it's about the process. I don't think there's like a single coach in the United States who wouldn't say that at this point. And, and uh, you know, to the point where there's a stigma if you, if you don't say it's about the process. Um, <clears throat> but me kind of going on both sides of the border uh, – I think one thing I learned is I think we're saying one reason we might be saying that so much in the States is because we are so outcome driven uh, because, you know, I think having both of these experiences, I would almost say that maybe the mindset in the U S is um, it's not about the outcome. It's about the process. And then in parentheses, as long as you win and uh, in Canada, it, it might be a little bit more of a, it's about the process. This is for the women's volleyball is kind of what I was perceiving. Not definitely, you know, they, they've got sports that are excelling like hockey and women's soccer. And those are super competitive cultures. Um, but one thing I was learning with the Canadian volleyball at the, at the national team level was there wasn't enough of an outcome linked to the process. So the process was suffering. You know, there wasn't a, there wasn't a deep belief in making the Olympics and, and what it would take to make the Olympics. 
uh, and that was really making the process suffer, <clears throat> which was it was a big insight to me because it's, my experience in the states being being so outcome driven, it's almost it's not about the process, it's about the outcome. That's that's almost a way of saying, uh, hey, the outcome matters, but calm down because you're not going to get anywhere stressing about that. Focus on the process, and the outcome will take care of itself. And uh, but what I learned also, but just the experience I had this summer is, you know, if that outcome doesn't matter to you, it doesn't really matter, then that process is going to suffer. So I think I came out of that. It's not about the process and it's not about the outcome. It's they're they're both linked and there's a there's a continuum uh, with both. They both balance each other out. You got to be mindful of both. And I think that's where I'm currently at with it. It's almost like it's a it's a crutch, like to just say it's all about the process. Well, again, I think. I think part of the reason we say that in our culture is because it's not all about the process. Like we're so fixated on the outcome. We have to just keep saying that to balance it out, you know, and it's a, it's, it's really about both. The reality is, you know, we're getting out, people get out of bed at least when they start because they're so fired up about, you know, Kobe Bryant, the tragedy that just happened. He's someone like, you know, kids grow up dreaming of being the next Kobe Bryant. That is, that's an outcome, you know, and, and then that fuels this process of working hard and getting better at your craft. Right. And, uh, but I, we we're a real competitive culture and that's that's a great thing you know and there's but there's obviously strengths and weaknesses to everything and um i don't really believe we're we're all about the process but i think the process is crazy important and i, th- and I think a more balanced this is just my opinion but a more balanced healthy perspective is it really is about both but the more time we spend on the process we start trusting that the outcome is going to happen and the process is more controllable and all that but it's not all about the process it's it's there's a loop uh, between the two and do you feel over your coaching career you've learned to be more like have you always been you're a pretty competitive guy do you find yourself still kind of outcome driven or is it something you need to remind yourself of a lot yeah totally i mean i you know i think if you look from 21 years old to now i think hopefully i'm getting more and more balanced as time goes on but yeah there was definitely a time where it's all about outcome and um and like i said i i don't know if i'm any less about outcome i just hope that i'm a lot more balanced about what the controllables are and you know where to spend your time and where to where to put your energy and your focus so then how do you how do you help someone become more competitive or it's not one person but a, a full team is that sounds like that was the big challenge like we want to uh, compete yeah. harder <laughs> they, they they were competitive that wasn't the problem i think it was more the if at least for for the group of people that summer again i don't want to like lump people in it um don't need to be or are part of it it wasn't about the competitiveness like it, i had no doubt that if the if there was an official match starting that they would have competed it was way more linking uh well first of all I, I just don't feel like we believed we could do it so we had to uh we had to work on that and then from that we had to try to connect what's what's the daily work you have to do to give yourself a chance to compete i had i had no doubt that when the whistle blew there would have been a competitive vibe on the court but that doesn't mean anything if there's not the skill base behind it and uh and the skill base comes from the work and so it was more about teaching that if that makes sense how did you convince them that they could do it there's no one thing i think uh well i think deep down i think they all wanted to be people that live that i mean they, a lot of them have dedicated you know that's one thing we talked about a lot <clears throat> just thinking about it as, as you're asking but um we brought up a lot how much they've all sacrificed, you know, to be in this gym, how many years they put in playing overseas, how much time they spent away from loved ones, how many financial sacrifices they made, and, and trying to link all those sacrifices to what to what they're trying to do, and 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 then trying to connect the dots with the work it's going to take every day to give yourself a chance to do what you're really trying to do, and um, just trying to 
just trying to put that together into uh, something that resonated for all of us. And then I guess moving on to the, the skill set portion you're talking about, um, what were some of the changes you had to make from a fundamental standpoint uh, with Team Canada and the athletes? I think I'd be curious if you asked them, but you know, I think we changed everything. We you know, we started with how to move with the skills and then what, what you want to look at and then trying to link what you're seeing with how you're moving and building that up into systems. And I, I think the product looked completely different than what they've done in the past, you know, whether you liked it or not, whether you liked the product or didn't like it, I think it's easy to see that it was, it was a lot different. Um, so I don't think there was much that was the same. And that was obviously a big challenge for, it's always a big challenge for any player, but, you know, especially for people that are, have gone to, you know, high level play, doing things a certain way, and then you got to change again. So that was really spoke to their character for sure. How, how do you measure uh, something like that? Say, you know, someone's been successful for a long time, has a lot of reps doing something a certain way, and I'm guessing you had limited time. Like, how do you pick and choose which fundamentals worth investing in? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's a little bit of a case by case situation. And, you know, it's depending on how you measure success, you know, is, is success being in the national team gym or is, is success having a chance to beat the best teams in the world? Uh, and if it's the latter, if it's trying to be the best teams in the world, is, is this movement allowing for success and if it is then i can see keeping it but if it's not then you got to change it and or you know change isn't even the right word you know that evolve or grow it or uh you know adapt it um but uh, that's kind of how we were making the decisions they would are we shooting for this we're shooting for that if we're shooting for this then we got to give give this a shot and even if we don't get there we'll still get someplace better and let's get to work you know it's it's hard and it's but that's that's the deal it's what change is all about and can you give us maybe an example, whether it's working with setters or passers of maybe something that you changed fundamentally that the, the players had to adjust? Yeah, I mean, setting is always the easiest one because, uh, it, you know, I think it's pretty easy to target, you know, what we're doing, you know, going off our lead leg and pivoting and using that pivot to generate power. And so that was obviously, that was a real big change. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think different players met it with different, levels of either acceptance or uh frustration but i think on the whole the setters did a great job adapting that and really their game really grew um so that's that's kind of the easiest example but you know i think we changed god we you know we just changed everything our block our block defense systems are serving our offense speeding it up and all those things so there was just lots of change going on everywhere and they yeah they worked really really hard it was it was a great group of women and you're you're showing them that it it grew by stats, by video, by outcome, how well, are you? Yeah, it's a leap of faith, a little bit. I mean, it's we had a we had a six week training block in the summer before we had to compete, and I think uh, you know it, it's it's I think they could feel themselves getting better, and they could see themselves getting better, and you can you know you can show them how they're getting better compared to what they've done in the past, and you can show them better players and how they're starting to move more similar. So I think light bulbs start slowly coming on, um, and then collectively as a group, hopefully. You know, they're starting to feel like we are we're on the same page more in this system. We're in this we, you know, we're starting to see these things collectively better. We don't feel like a group of individuals as much and uh, and that brings on a few more light bulbs. Um, and then you gotta dive off the cliff and you know, hope it works out a little bit. And you know, there's gotta be at some point, you know, hopefully the, the coach has communicated it well enough and shown improvement well enough that they, they believe and but there's still there's just that, that leap of faith until you play your first couple games and um, yeah, I thought we had a, a really successful summer, you know, up until uh, Pan Am Cup. And, uh, you know, each – that was fortunate. It doesn't always work out that way. So, uh, you know, each success was building on the next. And 
Um, and then, you know, we were able to qualify for Nations League. And that was, you know, that was a moment I'll never forget. So, How do you, how do you get them to engage in making these big changes, which, which I'm guessing in the short term led to a decrease in their performance? While I'm sure they're trying to make a good impression, they're trying to, you know, show you how good they are. <laughs> like, how, how do you balance that? Yeah, I think being aware of making a good impression is something I need to keep being more mindful of. I think like there's lots of coaches that are so much better at that than me. I, I tend to get to the task really quick, like sometimes too quick. So um, I'm not always aware enough that there's all these emotions at play, and I need to I need to calm these down so we can get centered. But that's just a side note. But um, yeah, I think <clears throat> I think one of the big challenges is to the player. It's this real big thing, you know, like you're trying to change my passing or you're trying to change my setting. And I think one of the jobs of the coach is like, hey, like, we're not trying to change this. We're trying to get better at this little thing. You know, and uh, you're talking about changing your setting. And I'm just telling you to read the pass a little better. You know, and I think that's one of the challenges of learning because you're you're talking about read the pass. You're pass. You're talking about straight and simple. And in, and in their mind, this is, again, painting with a broad brush. But it's it's fairly typical that in their mind. They're thinking about what you just said. You're trying to change my passing. That means I'm going to get worse. And then I'm not going to be able to do this. And I'm not going to be able to do that. And I'm going to look like this. And all you're talking about is straight and simple. And they've made it this big thing. So I think that's one of the challenges or opportunities of coaching. That's kind of where relationships are formed a lot, too, is like, look, you're thinking about all this. And I'm just talking about this. And can can we just focus on this little thing and see if it makes us better or not? Getting to that point where... You know, we're, we're, we're both centered on what we're trying to do, and it's just all about what we're trying to do and, and trying to get better at it. I think that's like that's something that's really easy to say, but that's really hard to achieve. And uh, one of the I think I, I really do think that's one of the central aspects of the of the relationships we talk about with coaches and players. Did you get a sense that athletes were often overwhelmed? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And again, I think it's because. Uh, you're trying to change all this and I've been playing forever and we're trying to, we're trying to achieve this and it's on the highest stage and on and on and on. And it's totally understandable. But in the end, we're just talking about putting your first step in this direction. We're just talking about finishing. And and again, I think it's about, can we get rid of this noise and can we get on track with this small achievable goal? And can we see what happens then? Because in the end, it really is just about getting better and, um, getting better at this task and getting it to the point where we've trained it so well and so hard, we don't have to think about it because then we can trust it in competition and, and then we get after it. And so like what, you know, it's, again, it's, it's part of being human and you wouldn't be thinking, you actually wouldn't be thinking all these things unless you really cared. So it's a positive, but is it really helping us learn right now? And uh, I think that's part of the growth also. And how about from the tactical side? Did you change uh, many of their systems? Yeah. Uh, changed everything. Um, you know, we, uh, again, for better or for worse, but, you know, we, we changed everything and um, started playing off the net and speeding up our offense and um, changed the concept of our defense, uh, block, you know, our block defense and our serving. So, yeah, we changed everything. Do you, do you find that uh, tactics are easier to get people to buy into than making fundamental changes? Sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, and I think, again, that's case by case. You know, some players are, uh, they really don't want you to talk about their individual game. But if you talk about a tactic, they're really open to it. Um, and then there's other players who are opposite. You know, they, they don't really care about tactics. But if you're talking about individual skills, they're all in. And there's some players who have low motivation for both or high. You know, I think, so I think it's all across the map. But yeah, you, I definitely have experienced players who, if, you know, if you tell them, uh, hey, hit, hit the ball here or expect this player to hit the ball here. They love that stuff. But if you're telling them how to hit, they're not so open. So, yeah, I've definitely experienced that. I'm sure it depends uh, on what time of the year it is and when your next <laughs> match is. But 
do you have a general sense of how much time and practice you spend on fundamentals, mechanics versus tactics and strategies? Yeah, I think time of year definitely matters. Um, but I also think tactics are only as strong as your fundamentals. You know, so you, um, I think we can all understand tactics inside and out, but if the, if the player doesn't have the skill to execute the tactic, what's the point, you know? So, um, a lot of times, uh, not a lot of times. I, I just think you, it, I think you can never go too far away from the fundamentals. And I think as those fundamentals improve, you, your tactics uh, strengthen because you're able to do more things. So uh, there's definitely a balance on time of year, but I think you can never go away from the fundamentals and trying to make them better. And also understand your scouting report is only as strong as the level of skill in your gym. So uh, it's always important to remember that, I think. How much of your tactics were based on the personnel you had versus the, the system that you really know and, and think that works yeah you know it's kind of what marv always says about coaching in reality i think I, I think no matter what no matter what you believe you're only gonna be able to do what your players can actually do so um i, I think it's important to have that balance in mind that i just talked about but there's definitely a you know i have a model in my head offensively and defensively about hey this this is probably the highest level of what it looks like <clears throat> and then and then from there you're trying to get your players as good as possible to be able to do all that stuff. And then along that road, hopefully you have players that surprise you, you know, they, they do something new or they do something different and you can, Oh man, I can strengthen my model. Um, but it's kind of the, having that model, maybe what the highest level of execution looks like. And then, and then adapting that for where you think your players are at and then trying to get them as good as possible. And then what, what about the, the staff side? Were there any challenges bringing in maybe new ideas to the coaching staff of team Canada? Uh, yeah, I think I was, I'm positive. I was a challenge for the staff for sure. Uh, yeah, so I think, uh, um, we should ask them. Yeah. I'm sure you get plenty of stories. Uh, I know you would, uh, I think, I think I'm a lot easier to work for as time goes on. You know, I think, I think the hardest times work for me are right, right at the beginning. Um, so there's definitely challenges there, uh, just with, uh, adapting and then, um, you know, me not making things clear enough in the beginning as, as I would have, if I could have gone back and, um, and then there's just some inevitable growing pains, you know, I mean, this, this person has this perspective and I have this perspective and this person has this perspective and we got to figure it out. And there's sometimes there's just no way to smooth it out other than just going through it. That was part one with Tom Black. Join us next week for part two here on Coach Your Brains Out by Gold Medal Squared.